This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 380 for Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Ryan Murphy is back. You can find him at rmurphy on all the social media that matters. Co-hosting Zombies Ate My Podcast, Gamers In, and Dungeons and Diapers. You are a busy man, my friend. Links to all these things can be found at ryanmurphy.ca. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. It's great to be back. Uh, it's been... Oh, gosh, I didn't look it up. I always look it up, and I didn't. So I, I apologize, friends. Hmm. I feel like it's... I know for sure you were on the Christmas get-together that we do on, on the podcast. But I that's we almost, say that every... That's coming up on a year. Surely you've been on the show within within a year. Uh, Let me I, just Google myself. Well, he's that's... like, well, you're talking to all the good people about what's new in your world. I can just look it up on the on the website. Oh, it was it was August sixth, so it was like it feels just a like couple months ago. ago. Well, that's that's 2020 for all of you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it feels like a year ago. Nope, it was eight weeks. <laughs> Not too bad. No, August August eighth, and I I yeah. So no, it it has been it has been busy uh obviously as you mentioned i i do a lot of podcasts and i think for for those podcasts i i just had a conversation i was on a guest spot on the dad chronicle where i talked about someone says like hey i'm having another kid like you know how do i how do i do all these things and i'm like well you don't you just find the things that fit and you just pick the things you love and i think you know i drop some stuff like i play less games i don't stream i i don't produce youtube videos anymore i just i podcast and um all of all the prep is what i'm doing anyways you know i'm i'm watching walking yeah. dead you know some, sometimes i wish i wasn't but i am uh but yeah <laughs> it's uh, y- you you find the time and you and you make the time but obviously you can't you can't make too much time because you have children and family to pay attention to. At least I do. That's, that's my day. That's my 12 hour seven to seven. So. Yeah, that's definitely a, a full time gig. I mean, I have a hard time managing, uh, the working from home thing, which I mean, I do all the time. Like I've been doing that for 10 years, but like the full, full time work plus, shopping and cooking and and cleaning the apartment and doing all this kind of stuff and it's not even a full house there is no one else to worry about i'm not cooking for other people i'm not trying to ensure the livelihood of other small humans it's just me and i can barely do that most of the time um Mm -hmm. i saw uh, and i don't know what where it was from because the tweet has probably been circulated a number of times i think it actually came across on instagram someone had screen capped it but someone was complaining like woof like i don't understand how all how you all do this you know like they have the full-time job as a as like a creator at some gaming studio or something and they're like trying to like work out and stay healthy and cook and clean and do all the shopping and and while they're doing this 40-hour work week and someone replied and said you can't 
that's an old system that usually relies on one of the people in your two-person household having an unpaid job of being a housewife or house husband <laughs> and staying at home and doing all of that while you're at work. That's why it can be done in most other places. You're forgetting that there's another person <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. does this. And even now, these days, a lot of times, both of those people are working. And so like, it just, I, I don't, I never, like whenever my friends uh, apologize, like, oh my God, it's been six months since I've talked to you. It's like, you have two kids under 10. There's no apology necessary. You know, until the kids are old enough to shoo you out of the house, then I understand I won't see you. (laughs) Like, I I totally get it, it, right? It it is, it is interesting. Uh, I I think when uh, you, you have kids and you, you have to uh, adjust to this new schedule and it's different. It differs as you add, well, it's surprisingly, not surprisingly, when you add more, it changes. And I look back at having one kid and I think, man, all that free time when the kid naps it's just you and <laughs> your partner and we um you know we are in, in the global pandemic but there are still opportunities to um you know uh quarantine and then have the kids go to the grandparents we we worked out a system they wanted to take the kids for a couple nights and we said okay here are here are the health guidelines and here are our guidelines let's make sure we line up there and they did they're both they're working from home or working isolated so it worked really well and you know uh, my two oldest went to their grandparents and (laughs) ashley and i are at home with the youngest and the youngest goes down and i'm like what do we do like we're bored and i'm like well i'm not bored i'm gonna go play video games <laughs> or you know go do some some work but uh it there is this like weirdness where there's this they what used to be filled with chasing kids around is now quiet and i i yeah i i long for it but i got my taste and i'm, I'm good for now i'm you know my my batteries have been refilled this was a couple months ago mm. but uh i'm sure i'll be itching for one again in like four months <laughs> you know yeah when uh it's been well it's been a while so we'll see but yeah it you you can do everything you can't do everything even when when you it's just you can't do everything even when it's just uh you don't have kids or you know because there's just you have there's certain things you have to do and there's only 24 hours in the day so yeah uh, no and you got to balance for sure and i i mean i thankfully uh i can't remember when it was when i came back from I think it was when I came back from Utah back in 2017. I just basically said like, now that I've had a vacation, like now that I had a proper three week kind of like, or 10 days away, but a three week total kind of like not working. uh, I just basically said like, if I can at all swing it, I'm not working weekends anymore. And it took a lot. It took a lot of doing. It took a lot of effort into other things to kind of kick up the dust and make sure that my week was worth it. Because when you're working for yourself, it's very easily you know, something you can do is to fall into working on weekends or giving yourself that buffer. Uh, and, and sometimes it just comes down to like, you know, someone saying, Hey, like, what's your availability between now and, you know, a week from now. And you're just kind of like, Oh yeah, sure. That's seven days. Like I can totally. And then you have to say, no, 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 that's four because I have this thing on Monday. I don't work weekends anymore. And, and that means that leaves, you know, Tuesday through Friday of next week. And then sometimes you have to say, "Mm, no, sorry, I can't, I can't take that job, you know, because I, I've, I've established that I don't want to do this whole weekend thing. And I mean, weekends are arbitrary. I chose weekends because most of my friends that have regular jobs don't work weekends. So it makes it easier to socialize. But, you know, like when you have, 
like it's so easy to just kind of go through this the to-do list and it, it just never ends like someone someone the other day asked me like you know how much work do you have left to do today i was like oh geez there's a, there's always something like i it's not that how much work do i have left to do it's when am i stopping like when have i chosen you know when, on on like a on a day where i'm i'm just doing my own stuff you know, like say it's all email and administration and banking and bookkeeping related to the business i work until i'm done i work until six or seven and then i just don't go back I'm not finished what I need to do. I'm just finished for the day because I just can't. I'm just, you know, you're just, you're spent. You need to, you need to go turn on Netflix and turn your brain off or something, you know, because otherwise, well, otherwise often I find mistakes get made, right? Yeah, no, I, I'm, it's very important to uh, take downtime. And uh, I think that's where, that's where I've been lucky in that the downtime I enjoy is playing video games and, and watching TV. So, uh, I'm able to, to do, and sometimes my downtime is just going for a run, but mm. uh, I go on a treadmill, so I'm able to watch TV or play video games at the same time. <laughs> so nice. I'm, and that's the other thing about balance. Like sometimes balance is, is, you know, doing one thing or another. Sometimes balance is literally doing spinning plates. It, it really, it's, <laughs> it, 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 and that can get exhausting as well. I can imagine spinning real plates would be exhausting, but I, I think that, yeah, you're in the downtime. Sometimes downtime feeds right back in, and and I think that's where you have to be careful. In that, when you're using, you're using your downtime to develop uh, your the stuff you're taking a break from. You got to be careful that it doesn't it, it doesn't serve its you know its its purpose. You want to make sure it does. You you do actually relax, and I think that's where mm-hmm. um, I've you know when I'm doing downtime, I'm not stre- I may be playing a game I'm going to talk about on a podcast, but I'm not streaming it. I'm not. I'm not active. I, I try to play games where I can hit um, the home button or, you know, on the Switch or the PlayStation that can just shut it down at a moment's notice. Like, it's, it's got to be possible. It's got to be, yeah. I need to take a break now and walk away for a little bit. Or, you know, playing a, a casual thing with a friend. Like, I've been playing um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. They added a, a co-op mode for free, and I, me and my buddy have been kind of going through it uh you know, later on in the evening. So, and that's been really relaxing. Uh, you, you know, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just hanging out and having a good time, but I know in the back of my mind, like I'm going to talk about this eventually as I'm doing right now. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is about balance and, and figuring out what works for you, not necessarily what works for, you know, your, your favorite influencer or someone who appears to have all the time in the world. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I have this weird kind of thing right now where, well, I, I technically, I don't work weekends. I still think of work as podcasting and art design. Uh, I stream on weekends because a lot of what I stream is Minecraft and that's when the audience is around, you know, mid afternoon, you know, kind of like North America, mid afternoon sort of times. And that's when I get the most response. And it doesn't feel like work to me. It is absolutely part of my income. Like it has become a pretty solid side hustle, but I don't look at it like I'm working my weekends, mostly because it's it's like a three hour stint. You know, like I could I could spend that much time watching a couple episodes of something on Netflix quite as, quite as easily, right? And what I found so interesting, and um, uh, my co-host Johnny on the Spawn Chunks pointed this out to me one time in a conversation we had recently in that, it's nice during, you know, the course of the pandemic that some of what we do regularly is podcasting 
and then the streaming stuff where you have to use your social skills. Like I have to talk for three hours when I stream and you feel one of the reasons why I don't feel like it's so much work and why I often look forward to the stream or even if I'm tired, even if the last stream didn't go very well, I'm kind of like, oh, well, I kind of not really in the mood. Um, if I'm not like on death's door, just really feeling uh, ill or, or super, super overtired, I'll still boot up a stream on a Sunday and I guarantee you I will feel better afterwards. It's because I've had that social interaction, like something funny has happened, like there's a, uh, you know, uh, some camaraderie that happens in the chat over something hilarious and then there's an in-joke that's made and like that kind of stuff definitely revitalizes me and it doesn't feel like work at this point. Now, ask me if I was doing crazy hours during the week for, for you know, someone else you know, if I wasn't working for myself from home, but I was working for a company and then I was streaming on weekends, like would I still find it, you know, taxing and maybe work related? I might, you know, it really depends because it's not my full-time thing. Um, but I can say like after doing professional art now for 20 years, very seldom do I pick up, you know, a, a pencil or a pen uh, and draw something for me. Very, very seldom. It's been a long time because I'm, it's happened so often and it is required of me, you know, from work that when it comes time to relax on a weekend, it's the last thing I want to do. But in that respect, I get to do it during the week. You know, whereas when I was a kid, I had to wait until after school, you know, or after my part-time job when I was a teenager to be able to draw because I just, I couldn't do it while I was working. Now it's the flip, you know, I do it while I'm working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, it's, it is good to have that, those social interactions mm -hmm. as well, for sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk quite a bit about video games a little bit later, but I thought because we had a little bit to say about what we've been up to in terms of what we've been watching or playing or, or consuming over the last little while that, uh, that we'd kick that up to the top of the show. So what have you been uh, spending your time with the last little while? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, uh, I played something on the Nintendo Switch and I immediately thought of, of you and I played, and I know this isn't the Spawn Chunks, but you can probably take this experience and, and bring it over. And maybe you already talked about it because I, I don't play Minecraft. and um, But I, but I played Minecraft and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate because they added Steve from Minecraft into Smash Brothers. And I got to say, it's really weird. <laughs> and did you talk about that on Spawn Chunks? We oh, did. I figured so it would come we, up. Yeah, we, we covered Minecraft Live a few weeks ago on October 3rd. And when they announced, mm -hmm. that was an announcement just before the stream. So when we had like a 20-minute pre-show, that's one of the things that Johnny was talking about. He watched the presentation. Uh, we then brought it up again, I think, on one of the episodes on the Spawn Chunks shortly thereafter, like the following Monday or Tuesday. Um, I've never played Super Smash Brothers, so it's over my head. Like I don't, I, I understand kind of what it is, but like I, I don't understand the excitement that people have for adding Steve because, like you said, when I looked at it from the outside, when I watched the trailer, I was like, "This is weird. I don't know if this really jams." But I'm also not someone that ever really got on board with those video games where they kind of like crossed over all kinds of IPs into one thing. It kind of broke the immersion for me. So like watching Mario fight Zelda fight somebody from Final Fantasy and they all look completely different. Uh, like they're from different games, which they are. Uh, I find it very odd. Yeah, I could I could definitely see how the, the clash of aesthetics could could break a, break an artist's uh, brain. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I joked um, on the Gamers Inn that I 
have played more Minecraft and Smash than I've played Minecraft, uh, which I know is sacrilege to say uh, on this show or any show with uh, with you on it. But I, it's so weird, and and now I'm and now I'm kind of thinking like, who was this for? Is it for me, the lapsed Minecraft people, who or the people who understand Minecraft but but haven't really gotten into it, and now they're playing it in Smash? I, I think that Smash Brothers has been the best one of of those mashup games. It's always done it. Yeah well and um somehow nintendo finds a way to bring all these properties i think where it kind of does you know the the line gets blurred is when they add uh third-party characters because nintendo has a certain aesthetic to all of their characters right when you start bringing in uh, i wouldn't necessarily say minecraft is you know it kind of fits uh you know uh, banjo kazooie when they added banjo who is a microsoft property now was nintendo still kind of works but you know adding um adding cloud from final fantasy it does it it is a little odd right it's a little Mm. it's a little shocking but no they 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 literally put minecraft in there's like you mine while you're fighting you're crafting uh it's super hectic like you can't use your special abilities so with the b button you can't use those unless you have active mind resources and there's a little bar above your your health or your damage percentage meter um, and that'll show you like what kind, by icon what kind of resources you have. So if you haven't mined enough wood, and and really when I say mine wood, like you're well, you're not mining wood. You know what I mean. When yep. You're gathering resources. Uh, you're just kind of mining the floor um, randomly, and and resources will randomly sort of pop out, and they they automatically are added to your to your resource uh, bin. And then when you use say your side B attack, and you you create a minecart, and you go. Uh, you go in that minecart and you you kind of move forward. That uses a certain amount of resources, and if you haven't mined in a long time or or, or gathered in a long time, you're not going to be able to use those moves. So it's kind of neat how they've tried to adapt Minecraft into this fighter, and I've I've just never seen anything like it. But uh, I wonder if it yeah if it would if it would kind of not gel well with folks who are super into Minecraft. Like it kind of. It's kind of that in between, you know, yeah. especially since it's paid DLC, right? So yeah. So Johnny hasn't played it to my knowledge, but he mm-hmm. thought it was really cool and all the explanations and how it was implemented. The the way that Johnny approached it was like it felt like they were as authentic to Minecraft as they could be, in order to bring the characters into Super Smash Brothers. Uh, but none, neither one of us could comment on the gameplay of it and whether it felt whether it felt like Super Smash Smash Brothers. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, well, I mean, it, it reminds me, I don't remember what game, but I feel like there were some fighting games that I played when I was growing up that you'd have to, in some cases, charge up an attack, whether that was holding a button or ducking or something. And that would then give you a more powerful attack, but you're sacrificing movement. Like you're sacrificing, I have to sit here like a sitting duck, but then once I'm done, I could potentially land a, a challenging move. You know, um, most of my fighting games were like street fighter two and, I think Mortal Kombat and I rented some other ones that were more colorful, but they were kind of dumb. They never really mm-hmm. caught on. They're always just one-offs. They never became as big as those other, those other two. Um, but there was always, I remember some arcade stuff that I remember having to do special moves in um, that you'd learn like different mechanics, but, but yeah, no, I, I didn't know about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, didn't know I, that. I mean, I figured you guys, yeah. you guys were all over it with, with Minecraft and, and uh, sort of leaping outside the games. So I, I, I had been playing that, um, you know, just off and on, and it had reminded me of our discussions of Minecraft, so I couldn't help but bring it up. But uh, yeah, 
before we move away from Minecraft, have you tried Minecraft Dungeons yet? No, and and I have access to it. I have it on Game Pass, and I feel like it would be. I, I'm always looking for games that have the child, uh, kid friendly vibe, mm-hmm. but fun to play for um, for adults. Because with my kids, they really like watching me play games, and they like the ability when I can when they say, "Oh, can I try?" and I can pass the controller over them, even if they're not going to be able to do much, even if they can just push a button and move around, mm-hmm. they're keen. And I and I honestly think you know Minecraft Dungeons might be something that is an easy jump in. Yep. Oh, you want to try controlling for a little bit? It's not too complex. Here's how you move. And it's, it's isometric, right? So you're not controlling the camera, which is correct. we're not there yet. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's isometric top down. Uh, and I would, I, it's billed very often as uh, kiddo's first dungeon crawler, right? Because it has the same sort of simplified gameplay, you know, beat up and loot that Diablo 3 does. Uh, with all of the complex stats and powers and abilities and all those kind of different things. So there's layers for adults. But for kids, it's grab a sword and and punch a zombie, you know? And it's cartoony. So like the zombies, everybody's square. It all looks like Minecraft. When the zombie gets hit and quote unquote dies, it just kind of spins around like a Warner Brothers kind of like got hit with a frying pan sort of thing, falls in its place and disappears. Like there's that's it. It flashes red and it disappears. And so... Uh, the reward is that, you know, visually it's just so colorful. Like you've got firework arrows and there's TNT that explodes and they, it sends people going flying like rag dolls. And it's, it's all very schlapsticky, you know, it's all just Bugs Bunny type cartoon stuff. Animaniacs would be another good example of that sort of thing. Um, so I, yeah, I would say, de- I mean, it's definitely kid friendly, definitely family friendly. I don't remember the actual rating on the game, but it's definitely meant to be a family affair. Um, hmm. and there's couch co-op too. So like you could have two players on the screen at the same time. There are certain points too, where I remember where, uh, the game, like once you've beat all the enemies in an area until you move on, more enemies aren't going to come by. So there might be even spots where, you know, kids could play around and not really, have to worry about dying you know like you just you could just kind of run through the woods and shoot at stuff and nothing's gonna happen because you know until you hit the next you know um key point in the map no more baddies are going to show up that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. but i think you'd like it given what i know and i think we've even played diablo 3 together at some point Um, yeah oh i I do i do dig diablo i know i know a lot of people were saying that the minecraft dungeons thing was like maybe a little too far underneath sort of the diablo vibe like it was it was i don't want to say too simple but like too maybe a little more simplified than they would have liked i would say but again like really simple is is the way that it works like because you don't choose a class you you choose how you play by your gear so if you want to be a ranged person use a bow get armor that that will give you stats to ranged if you want to be up front with a sword or a, a hammer or something like that get some plate armor and collect your hammer and just kind of go from there but what's nice about it is that if you get bored of that, all you have to do is switch gear and you just, you get a lot of stuff so that you're never kind of at a loss for like, what do I do now? Like, you're like, well, I'm kind of bored with this. I'm just going to switch to this thing, you know, and try this out, try something new. Um, and as far as challenge goes, it's not an easy game. Like I, I've, I tried and didn't beat the first difficulty level. I have to go back. I'm sure I will be able to eventually, but I, I had to try a few times on some bosses. Uh, and they now just re- recently added apocalypse plus yesterday 
which is like a third difficulty level. I mean, like it, oh. it turns it into absolute mayhem. Like I, I don't know if I even have any desire to play at that level. Um, and it scales with friends. So like the few times that I've gone and played with say like Johnny and I, uh, or, or jumped in with another friend, it is like, it increases the bad guys. It increases the difficulty because there's two of you now. And it just becomes like a gong show in a, fu- in a fun way. There's just stuff flying everywhere. And you like, it, it allows you to do like really epic stuff. You know, like if you've got some sort of knockback ability, it really is satisfying when you pop that knot back and you had 12 zombies on you and they all go flying. Like you feel pretty epic, even though it's cartoony. Um, have you played the Lego games? Cause it's very similar in feel. Yeah. And the Lego games are another sort of, uh, that was, uh, the Lego games are another one that I've kind of looked at. Like maybe this is one that I could, it's, there's a ver- like there's a property that I can pick up. And I know my friend, he played through, uh, super Marvel or, super marvel lego or something or avengers lego i can't remember which one mm-hmm. or no super marvel superheroes that's the one. <laughs> yeah that one and he played through and he 100 percented it with his daughter and they had a blast so that's that's one we're looking at yeah. as well but yeah if you can compare it to the lego games that's pretty solid like i yeah. think in terms of what i would be looking for for sure yeah i think the last lego game i played was episode one so it's been a little while but it has that kind of like it's with blocks flying in Lego games when you defeat enemies, like the the, the Lego bricks, they fall apart, right? And then mm-hmm. this, it's just like it's it's like little bits and coins and and like little cubes fall off of things. So like if something explodes, it it's exploding in cubes, you know, because it's Minecraft, which is which is fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So have you anything on anything on the television that you've been catching up on? Yeah. Well, from the TV perspective, or even just streaming in general, I've I've had I've had this conversation a couple times. Like I've been watching, you know, Unsolved Mysteries just pop back up on Netflix. Uh, I watched Volume One, really enjoyed it uh, for the most part. As much enjoyment as you can get out from, you know, uh, basically watching eight mini documentaries about cold cases where people have either disappeared or been murdered. Is this is this uh, new content, or is this the old Unsolved Mysteries from when we were kids? This is new. So they oh, really? it's the same production company, uh, different host. Obviously, I think it's Robert Stack that hosted it. The only reason I know that is because I listen to uh, uh, the official Netflix podcast where they talk about each case and kind of interview the directors. They constantly bring them up. Um, he's passed away. So he's not, he's not, uh, there's no host, so to speak. It's a bunch of these little documentaries that they, and they do it in the Unsolved Mysteries style where they have the theme music and they have the reenactments. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's really well done. I really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, the original Unsolved Mysteries gave me nightmares as a kid because of that, again, creepy music and, and the, like the ghost slash alien episodes. And, well, you know, and they have one of those. So uh, you can look forward to that. But uh, Volume 2 just hit. We're slowly making our way through it. And it's it's really compelling stuff. I mean, uh, you know, watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, that's another like really strong series that a lot of people have been talking about. But, uh, you know, I had this moment over the summer where I'm like looking at all these streaming services we have access to and the, and the freedom to like cancel and go and come back whenever you want and, and, and know that it's easy to do. I'm just like, why do we pay for, for cable? Like we ended up looking into it. We got cable because we had this like sweet deal where Bell came to us and said, hey, we're going to make you an offer you can't refuse. And, and they did. And it was a, a great deal. And then two years later, like obviously it, all the prices go up. So I'm at this mm-hmm. point where I'm like looking at what we're using and I ended up going through our PVR 
And first of all, there's no shows coming. No like scripted content has come back yet. And no, it usually right. has. So there's literally nothing that I would want to watch coming back outside of um, the Walking Dead content. But we went through all of our channels and it's like, we're not, we could get that. I think in, in here in Canada, they, they brought for, they made all the companies offer a starter package at a, at a 23, $24 level, which they hadn't done in the past. Uh, and, and I looked at the channels available there and I looked at the channels I was paying for. I think it was like a, it was the package up from that. It was like 120 channels and nothing we were PVRing was coming from those channels outside of a few shows that aren't even returning until God knows when. Yeah. Uh, so I called Bella like, we're not watching these shows. And, and the fact that I can go down from 125 to 25 channels and still have like a bunch of network shows that we're still watching, like PVRing, it's, it was really mind blowing to be like, why are we even paying for this? And, and honestly, the only reason we kept it around was because there's no way to get the walking dead, uh, AMC content at a, at a decent price. Like I can buy the seasons, but it's actually cheaper for me to keep the cable box around wow. than to, to pay. Cause there are three different series of the walking dead running right now. So if it was just the walking dead, it would be cheaper to purchase it. But because there's the walking dead fear, the walking dead and the world beyond, which is another spinoff series. Um, it, it, the costs add up so much that you're, you're better off just paying for, uh, access to amc and 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 having the 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 and i'm and, you know ashley watches stuff on the tv as well so she's using it too so it, it makes sense to keep it but i was just like we are so close we're like at least i think a year away mm. once amc sort of has some offering here in canada there's really nothing yet yeah that's too bad because well I, mean, I remember it was the same thing with game of thrones for me like i it wasn't until the eighth season that i could legitimately stream <laughs> game of thrones in canada by paying for crave and then paying for the hbo upgrade it costs 20 dollars a month just to get game of thrones well i mean i shouldn't say that during that month i also had access to like the sopranos and westworld and like any any hbo content that i wanted in their library but uh you know you had to you had to pay for that tier but it wasn't available for the longest time and the walking dead is a popular series you'd think that there'd be a streaming option in canada that would have licensed amc at some point but it sounds like maybe bell has exclusive you know um distribution rights that's because that's what happened for the longest time with hbo is bell had hbo and they refused to put it on any kind of streaming service yeah i don't know like i i would imagine amc they have their own streaming service in the states but even there it's it's a piggyback on your cable subscription i believe um so it's it's like an added i don't even know if it's yeah, it's an added bonus. You need cable, but it gives you access to their shows a day. Or I could be wrong, but it gives you access to their shows like two days early. Right. Um, it's it's weird. Like we are still we are still. And here's the thing: I don't think the reason companies are creating their own streaming services or offering their content streaming is because they think they're going to make more money. It it really comes down to they are getting less eyeballs. They people are moving on, and I think that's where I'm at. It's like okay maybe i stop watching you know the second or third um rip off of big bang theory and i just cut cable and i only watch the content that comes on streaming because it comes back to the conversation of balance and and making time for the things you enjoy like mm -hmm. you know in comparison to network television and looking at the streaming stuff and you only have like a couple hours a night to watch tv 
what are you going to go with? Like, I can't binge anymore. So I might as well just go where the go where the good content is, right? And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I guess with DVR and stuff, like you can still pause it. But like, you know, with, with streaming content, it's very easy to stop and pick up again, you know, should mm -hmm. you need to, you know, very seldom, especially if it's something that is original. Like if it's a Netflix original, it never goes away. You know, I, I've had movies that I have had on my watch list on Netflix that eventually disappear before I get a chance to watch them. Chances are they're things I've already seen. So that's why they're at the bottom of my list. But and then I notice, like, you know, two years later, it'll just show up again. It's like, oh, the, the this distribution and licensing is now back on Netflix, you know, for that particular film, Gladiator or something. Um, and it's just like, you know, they, they eventually come back around. So if you're. If you can narrow it down, then you can. The problem that I have, honestly, uh, is, is I have had a hard time sticking with something. I, I find that I'll tune into something on Netflix or Prime Video and I just won't like it or I just find it either dull or a slog or in, in you mentioned the boys. I just find it too dark for my mood right now. Like I just not really, <laughs> I don't really need to see the bowels of humanity. I just need to turn on the news to see that. So like, it's like that kind of stuff, I, I tend to not want to get into. Um, and I also find that some, some stuff can be so tropey where you just, as soon as they start doing something where I can start to predict the next 15 minutes and how the characters are going to react, I tend to tune out. And it's a very easy tell because I'm usually on my phone. If I'm watching something and it's good, I'm paying attention. And if it's, if it's not good, I'm you know, scrolling through Netflix, no, I'm scrolling through Instagram or something, you know, waiting for the, the show to pick back up again. Uh, and, and it's, it's happened more often than I'd care to admit. Cause yeah. I'm not usually like a, I don't, when I'm sitting down to do something, I tend not to have my phone with me all the time. I don't need it. It'll just be on the couch because that's how I tell the time, but that's it. You know, like it just, I don't really need it to, to chat with people. And I honestly, I will just pause the show and stop watching. If someone starts to text me and I have to have a conversation with them, like I'll just, I'd rather just talk to somebody than just, you know, message them every once in a while while I'm watching something. Um, but I, I've been watching, um, Treadstone. Uh, I started Treadstone. My dad recommended it. It's on prime video and it is the same world that Jason Bourne, you know, and that Treadstone CIA project kind of entails but the idea here is that there's multiple agents around the world that are being quote-unquote woken up um, after being dormant for super super long and they don't realize that they're agents like they've completely forgotten they've got families they've got you know lives and things and so um, the first episode was pretty compelling it was pretty international which is cool it felt felt pretty you know world you know um, Carmen San Diego kind of thing but uh, and the acting was good and the action was good. So I'm on board to see where it goes. I, I don't know if it's going to be the same sort of same old story with Treadstone, but it could be interesting. They did jump around in time a little bit, which I thought was really cool. So you get to see one of these Treadstone agents way back in like 87. And then I'm hoping that they end up bringing that character back now and have them be like a, some sort of catalyst. That would be kind of cool. Um, the other thing that I started watching, which was at uh, Brockett's recommendation, uh, and I don't have a lot to say about this because I'm only three episodes in, and that is The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, I'm not really a big horror person. Uh, I certainly don't venture down the roads of The Walking Dead uh, anymore, but uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor was compelling in that it's it's weird. Like, it's got it's not so much a scary show as it is like a mysterious, creepy show. And the children especially... Uh, there's an au pair that goes to look after these two kids. Their previous au pair had died 
and uh, their parents were also killed. And so uh, not very close together, miles apart. But so this new au pair is going in and you're kind of seeing this household through her experiences there. And the kids are creepy. And I don't know whether it's because it's bad acting and it just kind of happens to work with the fact that they're supposed to be creepy or if the kids are really supposed to be creepy and are really good at it. I would say the older kid, the boy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. In more in the more recent episode that that I watched, he he's definitely I feel like he's upping his acting game. So I feel like the creep factor there is more because of what he's doing, not just out of luck. Uh, but the little girl is just creepy all the time. Really, really creepy. And and they're the best actors in the lot because some of the adults, especially the, the lady that plays the au pair, she's terrible. Like, I mean terrible. Uh, she, she, I don't, she walks around like she's got a stick up her butt. It's just, it's so hard to watch and, and not make fun of. Uh, but the way that they weave this story, the slow pace the mysterious death of the previous au pair and the creepy things you see around the house. Um, for all its faults, the pacing and the what the hell is going on has gotten me into it where I'll probably see it through. Like, I'll, I'll watch it just to kind of find out what happened. Yeah, I. Uh, so first, first question, what's an au pair? Am I, oh, it's um, a nanny. Um, oh, okay. The whole thing happens in Britain, so they call it, they they always refer to it as an au pair. But yeah, an au pair is um is a uh, is a nanny essentially. Okay. The, well, yeah. Uh, the the so this is a sequel series because they did um, the haunting on Hill House, yeah, which I heard amazing things about, and I think we started watching it. And it was really good, um, but we stopped because it was too it was too creepy. I, I it you know it's not something. Uh, that Ashley and I really wanted to sit down and watch at the time. We just never went back to it, which is very typical of us mm-hmm. with Netflix. Like if we can't stick it through, it usually kind of goes down the queue and you forget what, you know, you were even watching it. But um, this new one, I I like the idea of them doing like an anthology sort of creepy horror show. And it, it was released right around the right time. Like any time in October is just amazing to have this type of content because people eat it up. But um, yeah, I, I had not watched it yet, and I'm, and my linear, logic-driven brain would be like, I can't even watch this until I watch the first series. Uh, and but I hear the first series is really good. I I haven't heard um, as much fervor for the second seri- series that I had for the first. So, um, have you seen the first one, The Haunting on Hill House? I haven't. Might even... And and I, uh, Brock had recommended it last year around Halloween. He was he was speaking quite highly of it. Um, but the more he talked about it, the less I was interested. Not because it didn't sound good. It just didn't sound like it was my thing. And what turned me on to Blind Manor was actually the fact that he said it wasn't a traditional horror. That it was more of a... It's it's not as kitty as a Scooby-Doo mystery, but it kind of has that that vibe you know, like it's more about like what the heck is going on and less about this is scaring me out of my mind. I don't want to watch this in a dark basement sort of thing. Um, I certainly found it, for example, like it's nowhere near Walking Dead. Like Walking Dead was just high anxiety, you know, for me. Whereas this is just like, it's almost like a, a fun little lesson in in um, creepy filmmaking. Like how do you do shots and how do you make things um, feel how do you make things get underneath the audience's skin? You know, um, 
things like you know showing a, a shot of the little girl playing hide and seek in front of a pile of, of toys in the attic and nothing is in focus she's in focus but everything behind her is kind of like blurred out with like a you know a, a short focal length but then one of the dolls moves right like chucky like you know the head moves on its own sort of idea mm-hmm. and 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 it's it's you can't see the details if you saw the details it would probably look like a really cheesy effect it probably was just somebody with their hand on a puppet turning the head on the damn thing but because you can't see really what's going on your brain puts the rest together and it just feels that much worse and i found the walking dead always did that like they'd they'd have something happening off screen and just give you the sound effects and your brain would do far worse than they could ever come up with for a special effect you know and uh so i i like that aspect of it um it's a diverse cast, which is also nice. Uh, a lot, both in terms of men and women, but then also um, less ages. They're all kind of around the same age, minus the kids. Um, but but certainly, like in terms of like you know people of color represented and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's got a nice modern feel to it. Um, and that's never made to be a big deal either. It's just like that's just the way it is, you know, um, which I I, I quite like. Um, but yeah, I would, I would give it a go. You know, like I definitely have to give it more than one episode because the first episode, I was definitely like, woof, I don't know, <laughs> this is pretty bad. But in in a way that is not needed, but still sometimes happens, it feels like a pilot on episode one, even though it's a Netflix show and they don't need to pilot things. Um, it did feel like a pilot, whereas they definitely in episodes two and three, it felt way more like a. Um, it started to hit a pace, I guess, in episodes two and three, which, which felt good. The first episode was just like, I don't know why I'm on board, but I guess, you know, um, but I think they're banking on people wanting to binge it all at once, you know, like in, in the Halloween season. Yeah. I I mean, I think that might've been the reason I held back on the first season is that again, it is a slow starter. I think the mm-hmm. first, I think it's the first series I watched, like the first three episodes. So they're not related, by the way. They're it's the same mm. production company. And it's the same kind of thing, but you don't have to have watched Hill House to understand anything that's happening in Bly Manor. They're two very separate stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, and there, are there some shared actors as well? Isn't there like I don't kind of like American Horror Story. I don't know because I've not seen the first mm. one. So oh, I'm that's true. Sure. Yes, yes. Yeah, they, yeah. It, they might have, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Okay. Well, interesting. I, I will. I will have to give it another shot, and maybe, maybe the story of the second one will resonate a little more uh, mm. with us. But yeah, it's uh, scary stuff. Is like kind of we have to we have to digest it at the right time, and and uh, sometimes movies are a little better because you know you're in and out in like two hours or less, yeah. right? Yeah. That's true. Um, I've I've been meaning to ask you for the longest time. Actually, have you played Borderlands Three at all? I played a little bit of it, like when it first launched. Um, I'd say maybe like ten to twelve hours over the course of a month with with some friends and played some co op. Uh, but I haven't touched it in a while. I know you've been playing it. You've been mm. streaming it, checking it out a little yeah. bit there. Yeah, I've been playing it now about a week, and I've got uh, today was uh, finishing off the first vault. We unlocked the first vault and had to fight the big creature that came out of it. And um, wasn't an easy fight, but I was surprised that I managed to get through it on the first try because there's been other bosses where I did not make it through on the first try. And oh, uh, but unfortunately, the loot was anticlimactic. And it's one of those things where I feel like the the RNG on the loot is so random 
that it doesn't really pay much attention to the fact that like maybe you never use handguns you're always using machine guns and sniper rifles so that when you get a loot chest that's full of handguns you're like well i don't care like because like, none of these are powerful nothing it doesn't do anything even it's not even better than the handguns i already have that i don't use you know so that kind of it, that felt kind of anticlimactic compared to the fight uh which was kind of like on the edge of your seat sort of craziness because the thing was the size of a dragon that we were fighting like it was a monstrous thing um and the plot was unfortunately phoned in like there's a story animation that happens after you beat the boss and collect your loot and and there's a character that dies i won't say you know exactly what's going on but in case people are you know new to it but it just felt so slow and it was so like all the information was already there we've had someone else lose powers in the game and then the same guy steals other powers from somebody else and just like why did you go near him like you know that he can do this it just it just it defied logic uh, and the other thing that I found was very kind of broken, and you might be able to speak to more of this because you play more games than I do, but the animated cutscene was really slow. Hmm. And and it was just one of those things where like, I'm not interacting with this. This has got no player interaction. There's no buttons to press, nothing. You're just watching two other characters on screen basically have an argument. And it would be akin to like, you know, you watching someone be shot and killed on uh, in front of you and your reaction is going to be, oh my gosh, no, you know? But before you do that, it's like one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, and then you scream. And <laughs> so the whole thing felt like really disjointed. And it's like, you're waiting for this little animated puppet to like say their line. Like it was really oddly paced. Uh, hmm. The whole thing took twice as long as it probably should have. And... um I don't know why, because again, like it's a fairly advanced game. It's not, it's not new in terms of like Borderlands has been around for a while. This is not their first time trying this kind of stuff. They're not a new studio. So I was disappointed with that, but that's my only complaint so far because the gameplay itself has been super, super fun. Uh, and I mean, if you've played the other Borderlands games, you're familiar with being on a desert planet and like all that outback kind of like rough and Mad Max type of stuff. Um, this feels like Mass Effect. There's this whole series of last missions that I've been doing and it's all city-based. So it all feels like you're fighting like, you know, police with riot gear and like that kind of thing. It's all, and, and all the, you know, there's cars and streets and doorways and all kinds of stuff to hide in. And it becomes, it's a much more different Borderlands than I've ever played before. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I, I don't have much more to say than that. I just, I've advanced the story so far. It's, this beat was kind of meh, but I'm hoping that it, it picks up because it, I thought it was going to be close to the end, but apparently there's more to it, so we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I I think my favorite part about uh, Borderlands 3 is that when it came out, it, it very much felt like, oh, they didn't... They, they expanded upon it in a way that would feel as though, oh, this is a 2020 game, but they didn't they didn't outright change the gameplay flow, which I, I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. You know, when I went in, it was nice to play something that felt like a game that I played 10 years ago to a certain, but with updated graphics and updated quality of life stuff. Like they didn't try to make it more open world, I guess they didn't make no, the worlds yeah. immense. They kind of kept them, the borderlands mm -hmm. yep. look and feel and humor right? is still there. You know, the audio clips are still funny. The stuff that some, some, NPCs say is incredibly inappropriate and hilarious. Like just th th that kind of stuff is all still there. I agree. And, and the gameplay, the actual gunplay I think is better 
I think it feels better than both other. Because I recently played Borderlands 2. Because when Borderlands 3 was announced, I tried to get through the rest of Borderlands 2. And I didn't end up getting there. But having played it that recently, within the last year, I feel like Borderlands 3, the aiming and the, and the, the way that everything feels, just feels better. Like they've just improved upon upon that. But um, well, speaking of video games, one of the things that I wanted to, to chat with you about is uh, the new consoles that are coming out in the next month. Because for the first time in a very long time, I'm actually thinking about getting into um, some console gaming. Uh, we were talking earlier about how, you know, sometimes you feel like you know, what you're trying to do as a hobby ends up becoming a job. And like, how do you kind of find some real R&R? And one of the things that I find is that um, while I enjoy playing video games right now as part of my downtime, especially if they're story games and they have, you know, a longer pull than say like a Netflix show, I'm still in my studio. Like I have the gaming PC and the podcasting and the art, it all happens in the same office. And so I don't often feel like I'm away from work when I'm in here. And so... Uh, having some console non-streaming stuff I'm not doing for, for content creation that I'm just enjoying on my own for fun. Uh, having some console games has been forefront. And uh, I know obviously with the Gamers In uh, and all the, the, the nerdy stuff that you're into, um, you're definitely more on the, I guess, the, the bleeding edge of, of new consoles and new content for those consoles. So uh, going into the fall, like what do you have your eyes on as far as say like Xbox series x playstation 5 quest like what's what's on your radar yeah um this is the first next generation launch where i am kind of sitting on the sidelines for a bit i mean i've i've got my game plan all written up but i'm not i'm I'm skipping the rat race which is nice you know i remember the the rush to pre-order with the ps4 i remember going to eb games at midnight to pick it up and with everything going on in the world and also the shit show that was pre-orders, it's been nice to, to actually sit back and, and wait. Like, I don't honestly think that the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X is going to decrease in price or become more more um, attractive from a, from a price or value standpoint by the time I'm ready to purchase it. It'll probably even be the same price. Uh, it's just a matter of not, you know, having the sort of energy to... Or, or even the funds to go in and, and, and purchase right now. It's nice to be able to wait. Uh, but like my first sort of gut reaction to the whole thing is I'm I'm waiting for games. You know, I've got uh, the half-step consoles of the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. I've got a fairly decent PC that can run most stuff. So from the perspective of all the games that I would want to play at launch, which right now are essentially just uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales... I've actually pre-ordered on on PS4, so I'm going to play it there, and that comes with a free upgrade to the PS5 version when I eventually do get a PS5, which I'll be picking up once either I think Horizon Zero or Horizon Forbidden West or Horizon Two or whatever they're calling it. That's probably going to be the game that that makes me go out and pick up a PlayStation Five, uh, even though it is also coming to the PS4. I kind of that's the game I want to play with uh you know the with the with the the best tech i can get my hands on right um but from the perspective of the xbox series x or the s depending on which one you want to go for i'm i'm leaning towards the the series x i do have a 4k tv but 
I'm leaning towards the Xbox all access program, you know, uh, you know, financing the system, which seems unheard of, but again, we just do it with our phones so much and we don't think anything of it that doing it with a console kind of makes sense, you know? And I think the, the value of game pass is, is just, it's only going to get better. And the fact that the Xbox all access for, I think Canadians like 40 bucks a month and comes with, uh, comes with Xbox, uh, Xbox game pass ultimate, which gives you like PC, and X Cloud Gaming, if you want to do that on your phone, and also Xbox Live to play online, like it gives you everything you need to enjoy the Xbox ecosystem. That is uh, a solid deal. And and honestly, there's at least once a month there are one to two games that pop up on Game Pass where I I, I could see myself playing them. And and with uh with a next gen sort of offering, that could be the 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 game changer. You know, in terms of I know I kind of want both consoles, but which one am I picking up first? And the fact that there's no upfront cost for the Xbox All Access, you just you sign up for forty dollars a month for for two years. Mm. That's a pretty stellar deal. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking at actually, and it's funny that you mentioned it because I had just sort of like started to explore my options when you kind of told me kind of like before we started recording, like just how good that is. And so for people that are wondering. Uh, the Xbox Series X is in Canada six hundred dollars. It's that gets you four K up to two hundred and hundred and twenty frames per second, twelve teraflops of processing, and a one terabyte solid state. Uh, there's expansion cards that you can get later on. Uh, I thought you could maybe use your own SSD, but that could be mistaken. Um, the only thing that I'm not sure of with the Series X. Series X has the physical drive. Like if you want to, you can go and buy a disc uh, and use it. Or I guess the idea there is that if you have your older games, you can put the discs in and they'll work. Uh, What I'm not sure of is like, do you need to use the disc drive to take advantage of all the powerful features? Like does the 12 teraflops require you to use the disc? Or if you're like me, I don't really want physical media. I don't need more jewel cases and more plastic in the house. What I want is to be able to just download the game and play it off the hard drive. Um, so do you know if I, if I would have to use the disc drive for those high you know, value games? No. So um, with the PS4 and the Xbox one, that was uh, and and even in the three or the 360 and PS3 days, a lot of the times they were, or most of the time, specifically this last generation and this upcoming one everything's installed off the disc the disc is literally an authentication method Uh, and to get the data onto your drive so the disc drive is only necessary if you um, like the choice of being able to purchase physical or 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 digital Um, sometimes i find physical discs are oddly enough cheaper than purchasing on the digital store but then you do see some steeper sales on the digital side uh if you're if you're willing to wait a little bit um but with game pass you don't really need a physical uh drive unless you do want to watch blu-ray um 4k blu-ray so if you don't have a 4k blu-ray player now which good ones will range from 100 to 200 um having that disc drive is is uh is a nice bonus like you will find a use for it but you don't need to worry about um you don't need to worry about it from a from a game perspective no matter what that game is hitting your your ssd 
um, where you might struggle with the Series S being a 512 gigabyte SSD is you you will quickly run out of space. However, um, Microsoft is really touting this smart delivery in the sense that you are getting the bits you need to run this game on your console. So in previous generations, when you downloaded a game, it would give you everything. You know, it would give you everything you need to run it on an Xbox One X or an Xbox One S. Um, it was it didn't differentiate between the platforms. You were just delivered the game. But with this new generation, they are prioritizing what you need to run the game and allowing you to kind of even go as far as to uh, to install modules. I think that's on the PlayStation side where you can kind of say, well, I like Call of Duty, but I really only want to play the campaign or I really only want to play the multiplayer. I'm right. just going to install the multiplayer. And that will be a huge uh, space savings because both platforms are dealing with this where um, one terabyte of space will will quickly deplete as you install games, updates, DLC. It's gonna go quick, um, especially with games hitting that 4K, you know, mark. That's expensive, you know, space wise. Um, but uh, the cool thing about the Xbox Series X, it is it is highly backwards compatible with games all the way back to the original Xbox and. Um, there are ways to get your hands on specifically Xbox One games through Game Pass. There are versions of Xbox One games that you can get on Game Pass um, that you're going to be subscribed to if you get Xbox All Access. Those games can actually run off of a plugged-in hard drive uh, if the game doesn't have optimized for Series S slash X on the box. So if a game does have specific features that have been upgraded to take advantage of the new hardware, you're going to want to put that game on, on the internal drive or the expansion card. But if it doesn't have those special abilities or uh, marked for optimized or you don't care and you want to save space, you can move those games over to an external drive via USB. Um, and you can even archive games to an external drive. Like, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm playing games, I had this conversation like, oh, one terabyte is going to go so quick. But really, like, you can only play so many games at once, and yeah. there's no harm in just dumping a game onto the external hard drive just for, just so you don't have to re-download it, you know, down the road. Like, it'll take some time to move it back to the internal drive and, and do some swapping, but man, those expansion cards, they're like $230 Canadian, <laughs> you know? You might only need one, but that's expensive yeah well i mean the reason why they've got the terabyte internal is so they can sell these expansion cards um which is yeah it's just it's part of the setup that i kind of roll my eyes out like oh you were so close to me being wow this is just about flawless and like nope now there's that thing but i'm not the struggle the struggle there is I, i get your point but the struggle there is like if you if you look at the type of space they're offering with these consoles these are gen 4 storage one terabyte is expensive two terabytes you know you're looking at astronomical prices the price just skyrockets in terms of the difference like this is um this is brand new tech and a year or two from now yeah two terabytes will like these type of hard drives will probably come closer to what we're seeing now with standard ssds um so the playstation doesn't have like a card it's more of like a you you actually have to buy the specific type of memory and again those memory sticks um the i think they're nvme gen 4 storage they range from 
you know, a hundred dollars for a terabyte to three hundred dollars for two terabytes, and it just goes up from there. So wow. it's expensive because it's new tech. Um, but if you if you just want to juggle a little bit, like if you want to save three hundred bucks, like you can do a little bit of juggling. Um, it's not the end of the world, but I get it. You know, uh, two terabytes is a nice sort of like you're not going to be hitting that cap anytime soon. Yeah. So one of the things that pulled me in, because uh, when they announced the Xbox Series X, they also shortly thereafter announced the Series S, which comes in at 379 It's nearly half the price of a Series X. And I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute now. I, I'm a casual gamer. Uh, yes, I do a lot of PC gaming and I do some streaming, but really it's mostly Minecraft for the other podcasts that I do. So as far as other games are concerned, I joke that I say I have time for two games of my life, Minecraft and something else. <laughs> and, and that something else gets rotated into, into different things. Um, but when, you know, so when a console like an Xbox One came out, it's like, nah, I can't justify the five or $600 this is going to cost me for the one or two games I'm going to be able to play on it over the course of its lifetime. But when it comes down into like 379, I'm like, well, that's actually getting to the point where, you know, I'm in a position now where that's affordable. And I, when I was looking into it, unfortunately, uh, and Lou actually was helpful and pointed this out to me when I was talking with him off mic before, uh, I thought the only difference was the lack of the uh, solid state, or the lack of the disk drive uh, and, and maybe some performance. But uh, I found out very quickly that it's, it's 1440p. It's not 4K. Uh, it still goes up to 120 um, frames per second, but it only has four teraflops. So you're dealing with a third, no, yeah, a third of the power uh, that the uh, Series X has uh, and half the solid state. Well, if if the solid state is what I plan to do, like I plan to play Xbox Game Pass, which is what draws me into this in the first place, because as a casual gamer that doesn't necessarily want to invest 60 or $70 into a game I'm going to play once uh, and may not even like. Uh, being able to bop around and try different things for $16, $17 a month is very appealing. But, you know, to have this, the smaller hard drive um, was not good. And I'm ashamed to admit that the fact that the Series S is white was also a giant thumbs down for me. I was just like, really? You can't even make them the same color? Like it just, <laughs> it, it just, it felt weird, you know, because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of black stuff in their television consoles. That's kind of like where a, the design of a lot of that stuff goes. Um, so yeah, I was surprised. Uh, but once you um, were talking to me about the all access thing, I decided to run the numbers just for, you know, my own benefit, but also the benefit of the listeners. And um, currently Game Pass Ultimate, which is what you get with all access and Game Pass Ultimate is what I would be interested in because that allows me to then take advantage of PC titles as well as Xbox titles. Now, some of them are on both, but sometimes you can only get one or the other depending on the kind of game. And uh, and because I've already invested quite a bit in the, the gaming and streaming PC for my, you know, um, streaming stuff, it makes sense to try to go for ultimate. So with series, sorry, with the Xbox all access, you get the Xbox series X, the $600 one, and you get 24 months of, uh, game pass ultimate for 39.99 Canadian. Now there's going to be tax on that, depending on what province you're in, but still for, for just tackling the prices before tax for the easy math. Uh, if you broke that out, and you bought the Xbox outright, 600 bucks down, and then decided to go for 24 months of the uh, 
Game Pass Ultimate, it comes out to about a thousand thousand six dollars for the sake of argument. Uh, if you take the bundle, which is forty dollars a month, uh, that comes out to nine hundred and sixty dollars over the course of twenty four months. So you basically get two and a half months of Game Pass Ultimate free uh, over those two years, and you don't have to shell out the six hundred dollars for the Xbox all at once. And that was the rub for me. That was I was like, okay, well, okay, now this is really appealing, because. <laughs> uh, because one of the things that I'd like to do this coming fall, I'm going to be keeping an eye out on Black Friday for potentially picking up a new TV. I've been in the market for one for quite some time. Uh, TCL has recently come out with some quality panels that are affordable for 4K televisions. They're $900 Canadian and probably better on, on holiday sales uh, as one goes. We're talking like 55 inch, you know, good living room size television. Uh, so I would be able to take advantage of the Series X 4K uh, and all the things that it's going to do and probably have some pretty sweet gaming experiences on that. Uh, and coming into, you know, what is going to be a fairly long COVID-19 winter, I think, for a lot of us, uh, I figured this might be a good year to invest in in a new TV. Uh, so I am very happy about this Xbox All Access because while it is a two-year commitment, I'm really enjoying streaming and, and enjoying my my return to kind of like the casual gaming stuff. So I I can easily see myself investing in that because I don't have to put the $600 for the Xbox Series X up, up front, which is nearly the cost of the television, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it makes buying that television a lot easier when it's just the television plus 40 bucks a month. You know, like it just... I. I pay more than $40 a month for my streaming services combined. Yeah. Like I could drop Netflix and get half of that $40 back. Yeah. Well, I think when you look at um, these two consoles, the, the core difference between the two, the Series X and the Series S, is that if you are looking to invest in a 4K television, um, you're going to want to look at, um, if you're getting the Series X, you're going to want to look at a 4K television that is a little more advanced uh, than what you normally get. Um, like, for example, I have a 4K TV, but it's 4K 60. The Xbox Series X will do 4K 120p, not for or one, 120 frames per second, but not every game is going to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it'll be... It'll be probably not the you know the big games that you're you're looking for, but some will do 120 frames per second. Now the Series S, that is 1440p. So again, still a solid resolution, but not 4K. It's about half of 4K. Uh, that that is a good console if you're still in the 1080p range, or you have a uh, or you're not too worried about 4K. But you you are saving about 200 bucks. But but you know for you and I or the tech fiends. You're probably better off future proofing and getting the the Series X just so you have it. Um, but yeah, like when you're looking at TVs, you're gonna want to make sure a, a really good site that is actually Canadian as well that that I found was really helpful when I was confirming and looking at TVs. I think it's RT. Is it RT Rings? I should have looked it up. Is it RT Rings or is it R Rtings or? Yeah, so it's R-T-I-N-G-S, so I guess like ratings without the A, and it does a bunch of TV reviews. It's based out of Montreal, and uh, they review everything. So the second you find a TV for Black Friday or for Boxing Day that you think you might want to pick up, punch it into this website and read the reviews because it breaks it down to the point where it says like, is this good for gaming? Is this good for... Um, uh, 
4k sports watching and it kind of it breaks it down better than that but it gives you a really good rundown of all the features it explains everything in in this detail that is very reassuring to someone who doesn't understand kind of like uh for me specifically doesn't understand like all the the bits and bobs in a 4k tv because you're going to be tinkering there's a lot of settings in these things to calibrate them Mm. but yeah that's the first thing you should do is, is look at that and they might even recommend tvs to look out for so you could start doing some research uh, now and kind of narrow it down to like if you want a tv that's going to take full advantage of your series x you can just say you can just go there and say okay show me the tvs that have you know 4k 120 frames uh refresh uh or even just look at what is the best just click on best gaming televisions and they'll and they'll break it right down for you and, and tell you exactly what you're looking at nice um so definitely i would recommend checking out ratings with com. Uh, it's a good, it's a good resource for sure. So all of this means very little without talking about the content that's coming to the, the new consoles. And, uh, so I wanted to know what you're looking forward to, whether it's Xbox or PlayStation or, or what have you, like what, what are you looking forward to in these next generation games that are coming? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, Halo Infinite. I'm a big Halo person. When it got delayed, I was I was I was kind of bummed out because obviously I wanted to play it when it came out in November, but uh, it's it's it, it felt like the right timing for another Halo game. Uh, but the fact that they've delayed it, it, it is what it is, and I'm fine with that. I, I think it I think it needs to be a great Halo game. Like Halo's kind of had a rocky history since it left uh, Bungie, but I'm looking forward to that one. But um, funny enough, talking all this stuff about Xbox. Um, I think the appeal of Game Pass is just is too hard to pass up, but I, I can't name, you know, uh, games in 2021 that will be part of that, you know, offering. You know, it's really hard. There are not a lot of dates attached to games that I would need to have a Series X for. But on the PlayStation side, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, the Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Um, there's a new Ratchet & Clank game. I love Ratchet & Clank. It's basically the closest thing you'll get to a nintendo game on any of these other platforms um yeah the new god of war the new horizon game these are all games that we're expecting in 2021 so sony is really forecasting a, an amazing year for the playstation 5 the first year out of the gate so that has me really excited um in terms of games but the value that you're getting from xbox all access and the possibility like they add a lot of third-party games to game pass so a lot of games you might be thinking you want to buy on the PS5 and it's part of your subscription, you might as well just play it from your subscription, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the PlayStation 5, I'm really looking forward to those those four new entries into some much-loved franchises. But Halo's, Halo's still my jam. You know, I, I, I can't wait till that comes out. I hope it comes out in the first six months of 2021 because I am kind of craving it. So uh, yeah, Halo for sure. What, what are you looking forward to? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Halo because Halo Infinite was on my my short list because I I played one of the other games. I think I played the first Halo uh, at one point, but I enjoyed it. Like, and, and I and I enjoyed like I enjoy those kinds of games. And so I was thinking, like, well, crap, you know, while I'm waiting for this cool new Halo Infinite to come out, I can just go back and play the old stuff on Game Pass. Uh, uh, or PC, depending on, uh, well, I guess it would be on PC via Game Pass is I guess what I'm getting at. 
so I could familiarize myself with the whole franchise and get and get caught up. And that to me is the value of of Game Pass, whether it's Game Pass Ultimate, Game Pass on the console, whatever it is that you decide to get into if you're looking at this, because I have not been on a console since the 360. And even then I bought a used 360 from an old coworker, was able to play like Assassin's Creed Black Flag and some of my Transformer games that I'd already played. I didn't buy anything new. I just kind of like played the stuff I already had that I remember enjoying. And to have, you know, access to a lot of the titles that I just wasn't able to play, you know, Batman Arkham Knight, uh, like uh, I'm trying to think about other things that I might have I might have seen that go by uh, in in the um, in the Xbox Game Pass, like um, the Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps, you know, uh, Lego games that we mentioned earlier, things that I wouldn't necessarily just go out and pay full price and buy. But if they're there. And I'm already paying the, 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 you know, $15 or $40 a month, depending on whether it's for the console or just for the pass, I'm probably going to boot those up and see what they're like, you know? And what I like so much about that is that if I don't like them, I can just offload them and call it done. I don't have to, I don't have to keep on playing just like you don't have to keep on watching a Netflix series that you don't like. Um, but speaking of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, uh, Valhalla has got my attention. That was probably the first thing that got my brain thinking like, huh, it's been a really long time since I've enjoyed an Assassin's Creed game. I should maybe look into this console thing this fall and see if it's that, if it's even feasible, you know, um, I'm curious, not that it's at the top of my list. I'm just hearing a lot about it. Uh, I hope they live up to the expectations, but Cyberpunk 2077 looks cool. You know, it it, it's, it seems like it's going to rub uh, or scratch those Mass Effect itches, perhaps. Um, but it looks cool. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull off all the say, all that they say they're going to pull off because uh, it's been yeah. delayed again. I think it's now December. When it's yeah, going December out. 10th. They yeah. just uh, they just uh, they just they just announced that. Uh, that it was delayed, which a lot of people have been, I mean, I'm of the opinion, like, you know, release it when it's done. I think there are some deeper concerns about, you know, continuously delaying the game by six weeks and and having your employees in crunch, Um, you know, looking forward to that end. And then, oh, wait, six more weeks. Okay. This is, I mean, it's actually only three weeks. I think they're just trying to get the day one uh, or the day zero patch readied up. But uh, that game to me, it could be it could be a game that comes out and it's like oh they very you know snip if if it wasn't being made by CD Projekt Red I I would be worried that they're kind of just showing us a lot of vertical slices mm-hmm. but um, because it's CD Projekt Red like they usually they deliver on their on their visions that they're sort of marketing so I'm I'm looking forward to it I I I don't I don't like I'm not I wish. I really hope it, it. I really hope it's great. Like I want that game to be great for a bunch of reasons. But I, you know, if it's going to scratch that Mass Effect itch, I, I did not even thought about that. Mm. My Mass Effect itch has just been sitting there for quite a while. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cyberpunk yeah. 2077 sounds great. Yeah, because well, bes- besides Assassin's Creed, when I think about my console gaming, like my uh, Mass Effect is like the one of the first things that comes to mind. It's like Assassin's Creed and then Mass Effect, the two, the first two games I think of, and uh, that and that kind of realm um i was doing a little bit of research before the show and i found uh ever wild now this is there's no release date on this it doesn't like not sure if it's coming out for the next gens but it looks really different and it looks really fun and cool lots of imaginary creatures and spirits and and kind of like it seems like a little bit more of a 
a wholesome uh, adventure rather than just a lot of the shoot 'em up, beat up the bad guys and kill people, which tends to be a lot of these games. Um, and then, of course, to go right back to beating people up, Gotham Knights. I mentioned Arkham Knight, but Gotham Knights, this is where you can be like Nightwing or I think um, not Robin, but you could be uh, Batgirl. Uh, yeah, a couple, Batgirl. Uh, uh, the Red Ma- it, Red Hood. And, yeah, Red Hood, uh, which is an ex-Robin. Is it, is it Damien? I can't remember what the fourth one is, but there's uh, you can be one of four characters. Yeah, it's Nightwing. It's Nightwing, Robin, and um and red hood and then and then batgirl so it's like three robins and batgirl (laughs) right so yeah yeah but i mean mean, those games were fun i love i loved the arkham arkham series so uh, right up until the uh, arkham knight i didn't play that one but i played all the other ones and and i really enjoyed those so i mean those are kind of what i'm looking forward to but i don't often feel like playing platformers at my pc that to me is probably just old school nostalgia it's just kind of like where i envision you know those things being played and i would much rather enjoy something like ori in the blind forest or ori in the will of the wisps or uh insert any other kind of like similar game on the couch you know like i think that's where i'd want to kind of lean back experience and, and play those um i i did come across uh kina bridge of spirits from ember lab and that i believe is going to be uh, ps4 ps5 and pc only but it looks fantastic. And, and again, this kind of like cool spirit driven story based kind of like adventure platformer. Remind me of some of the Zelda games I've seen. I've not played any Zelda recently, but from the footage I've seen from like, um, think about a Zelda game, not Majora's Mask, but what's the, what's the, um, Zelda game that was like kind of open worldy. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Thank you. Yeah, it it reminds me of the stuff I've seen from like Breath of the Wild, um, but it looked really cool. I just I obviously I'll, if I play it, I'll have to play it on PC. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't realize. I'm I'm clicking. I went through to the link for Ember Lab, and I didn't realize they made that like amazing fan film for Majora's Mask. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, which again might even sort of like the Zelda tie-in to to, to Kina, if I'm pronouncing that right. Like it it definitely feels that way. Um, so I'm looking forward to all kinds of stuff. It, it, and, and again, like when you go through the game pass, it's like you kind of get inundated with like, wow, there's a lot of titles in here. And there's a lot of titles that I have no interest in, you know, like racing games, not for me, you know, the Call of Duty stuff, not for me. Uh, Gears, maybe I've played one Gears, didn't really like it, but I've, I've heard good things about some of the other versions. But as you said, like once you start drilling down to it, there's usually between five and six games that that's more than you're going to have time to play, you know, in, in the range of a month. So like, you know that you're going to be getting some value out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's really tough. Like when you're looking at these new consoles and you aren't sure which one you want to get, like at launch, it's a really tough decision because you're kind of not looking at the games coming out on day one. You're thinking about the games in year one and two, like, this is an investment. Like mm-hmm. you don't look back at launch games favorably, <laughs> unlike unlike the Switch. I think it had a lot, like a lucky. It wasn't even a lucky accident. It was just Breath of the Wild uh, took so long to develop that it just became a bridge game on Wii U and Switch. So sometimes launch titles work, but it's very rare that there is a launch title that's exclusive to that platform that just it blows everyone away. Like it's, yeah. it's, I mean, maybe the last one was Super Mario sixty four, and that, I don't even know if that was a launch title. That was like launch window at best i think and had this not been a a a pandemic year 
I would think that Halo Infinite would have launched with the Xbox. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. I think they've had a lot. They've had some issues, uh, but I I think with such a large game and what they are trying to build, it it uh, a lot of things have kind of resulted in that game struggling, and and not just the pandemic, but the pandemic has certainly made it made it worse. I mean, you if you're used to having everyone in the same building, and suddenly you have to send everybody home, and you're and you are really pushing it to get that game out, I can see that sudden change um and and the reaction to that sudden change causing some some delay but yeah it it cannot be easy for these these teams and i mean microsoft even though it's a large firm with a bunch of studios unless those studios are used to working together remotely you don't sometimes have the infrastructure and you have to spend the time on training i mean look at ubisoft like it's no wonder that they've been able to deliver their games on time they're already used to working remote because they they have like three different studios across the world working on one game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is like Montreal, Quebec City, France, like all over the place, a bunch of different studios working. So they've already got that infrastructure and that that mentality down. So yeah, it's 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 no surprise we're seeing a lot of delays from games, especially high profile ones. Earlier tonight you mentioned XCloud. And hmm. I know that uh, Minecraft Dungeons, which I mentioned earlier, uh, is something that can be uh, played on xCloud. They announced uh, that that was either live or coming, I think, in December, uh, where you can play Minecraft Dungeons like on your Android device if you really wanted to via xCloud. Uh, do you, like with xCloud, like I don't plan on gaming on my mobile devices using xCloud. Is xCloud exclusively for mobile or could someone that doesn't have like the best PC or or uh, a console access use xCloud to then use cloud gaming and have a better gaming experience than their current hardware would allow? Yeah, so xCloud is right now going to be available for phones um, and um tablets that's what they're aiming at right oh, okay. now but the goal is to allow you to stream on uh from tv apps um from consoles like i think the end goal is to basically allow you to turn your device into a streaming box um i don't think from a business standpoint i don't think they want to allow you to use your xbox one x to stream series x games Right, but uh, I think they're they're working towards a future where I think you can stream from more than just your phone. Right now, it's your phone, sort of like the on the go solution. But uh, down the road, like they're they're looking to add like streaming from your Xbox as the server to your phone from wherever you are, so you can kind of like beef up that right. connection a little more and and you have some more options. But yeah, it's um right now it's phone only, but they do I think they have like some some very uh, wide sort of uh, expectations for what they want to do with the service. They're just trying to like chip it, chip away at it one platform at a time. So it sounds like Microsoft and Xbox is focusing on service like Xbox game pass. You've got Xbox all access where you don't have to buy the, the console for full price right away. Uh, Whereas PlayStation seems to be focusing on just buy the system and then exclusive titles. That like that seems to be the difference in the business model. And I guess the difference in 
expectations depending on whether you're leaning PS5 or Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the the PlayStation is certainly focusing on um, first party titles. They've they've secured the Spider Man license for their game, God of War, Horizon. They're very much looking at these large single player campaigns to drive people to pick up their their console, and they are not launching these these. Um, experiences day and date on pc they are offering for the first year i think a majority of them on ps4 uh, but you are getting a different experience right it is it is a game not running on on current hardware but from the xbox perspective they are what i think taking the pro consumer standpoint of like hey we're going to release this game um for the first few years it's going to be compatible with our xbox one and xbox one x range but we'll also launch it day and date on PC. And I think a lot that's where a lot of folks say like, well, why would I need a console if I can just get a PC? And, and in my mind, there are differences between the two. Like a PC, if you don't want to get super into the weeds on the tech side or if something goes wrong and you have to troubleshoot it, you know, God forbid. Uh, whereas a console, you can just kind of plug it in, put the game in, and you're off to the races. So it's it's a real big difference but if you are if you are someone who prides yourself in building your pc and upgrading the hardware and you enjoy that cycle that's this is a great thing for you because you're getting all these games that you wouldn't normally have access to especially on day one from the xbox side um i think it's great uh that xbox is doing that but they are they are focusing on service as well like they are they are pushing the xbox game pass um, Sony has been very open about that, how the game pass model isn't viable for them. And that is because they need to, you know, Microsoft is a large corporation has many, uh, they are the number one operating system in the world. Uh, so if you look at that side of things, they have many avenues to make money. Sony, they're a struggling company, like outside of their gaming division, a lot of their other divisions are struggling. So their game division has to make money, uh, in order to, keep the company going in a profitable manner uh but yeah i think they're taking different approaches it's interesting to see all three major platform holders being on the console range like kind of taking a different path and honestly that's really great because it it really rewards player choice and and honestly gives you a reason to maybe look at owning um Oh, you know, multiple platforms to access these games and give you different reasons to buy them. It's it's kind of neat. Um, it's it's the first that we've seen, like where everyone's kind of heading in their own direction. You know. That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and some of the things that Ryan and I talked about this week at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and of course, you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, but word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back into it. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord, as well as access to some of the bonus episodes when we record them. Once again, that is patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Always looking for new members. It's a great place to talk about nerdy stuff 
all week long. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. Links to my other podcast, The Spawn Chunks, is on the website as well. That's where I talk about Minecraft and Minecraft Dungeons with uh, my good friend Johnny. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media or on twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I'm playing Borderlands 3, Minecraft, and uh, maybe something else. Maybe Minecraft Dungeons. Who knows? You know, the, the sky's the limit. Ryan, dude, thanks so much for being here. What a, what a fantastic show talking about consoles. Uh, where can people find you, your podcasts, and all the things that you do online? You can find me on Twitter, at Murphy. I'm usually tweeting about all the things there. Uh, you can find out about my podcast at, uh, or podcasts at tgistudios.com which includes The Gamers In, Zombies Ate My Podcast, and Dungeons and Diapers, where that's the newest one where we kind of talk about like geek culture as well as parenting, so that's a fun one. Uh, and also I'm doing Extra Life, so uh, if you want to support a great cause, um, I'm taking donations for sick kids out of Toronto. Extra Life is a, is a great cause where we play video games in support of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, and you can go to bit.ly slash Extra Life Ryan for more information. And when is your big Extra Life stream coming up? We've been kind of streaming. Uh, so we used to do 24 hours, and that is uh, almost murder. Like, I think it literally takes weeks off your life. <laughs> you yeah. know, you definitely feel run down for a couple of days afterwards. And, and um, having kids and, you know, having to you know beg for nap time is it's not fun. Um, but what what I've what we've been doing for the past few years is kind of splitting our streams, and, and we end up streaming more this way. Uh, but we're doing multiple days. Game day is November 7th, and that will be our big push where we're going to be streaming for more than um, 12 hours. It's part of, probably starting at 10 a.m. Eastern and going well into the evening until we're tuckered out and want to go to bed. I'll be streaming at twitch.tv slash ryanmurphyca. And, um, yeah, that's the big day. So... Uh, November 7th, 10 a.m. Eastern. You can catch me streaming from 10 a.m. probably through to midnight with some healthy breaks. There will be breaks in there, but uh, chances are if you can find 15 minutes to stop by, we will be streaming that day. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. (laughs) 